Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. Tech Guide. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 175. Welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer news, products, and opinions. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. This week, the biggest tech gifts heading our way for Christmas, according to eBay. Alcatel OneTouch takes third place behind Apple and Samsung in its Australian smartphone market, and the padlock that's being brought into the 21st century with LockSmart. In the Tech Guide reviews, we check out the Nomad wallet that can charge your phone on the move. We also test drive the Samsung Gear S2 smartwatch and run our eye over the latest wireless accessories. And we'll finish it off with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Plenty to get through, so let's jump straight in. Well, Christmas, would you believe, is just around the corner. It's uh, almost uh, just a month, I think, away. A couple of days are uh, uh, over a month from Christmas. It uh, seems to be coming quicker and quicker each year, we seem to say. But one thing that we do face at the same time of the year is deciding what we're going to buy for Christmas. What are we going to buy our friends and family for Christmas? And the tech products are always a popular choice. Now, what are going to be those main tech products this year is a question that uh, we've been asking for a while. And eBay have actually come up with some uh, pretty interesting predictions. This is based on their own study from the eBay Innovations Labs, and uh, they also had a bit of data to look at from their online shopping site as well, plenty of data to check out there. And the results are actually quite interesting because combined with the study that they did with a certain number of people who who were asked to look at certain categories, combined with the interest that's been shown on the website, it's, it's come up with three clear areas. Now, the three biggest things we're going to be looking at in terms of popularity for Christmas are, one, robots. And in a year, there's been a 200% increase in robots purchased on eBay. Now, I'm not talking about the Lost in Space B9 robot, but robots like robot vacuum cleaners, uh, other robotic cleaners at home, uh, other other products that can help us get things done at home, and of course, the there's other robots that are more sort of toy or more uh, almost like virtual little little robotic helpers, and we're talking like the a product called the Wowee MIP. Now, this is a category that eBay is clearly identified, and, and whether it's uh, the, the amount of robots already in our life are huge. You, you don't realize it. A lot of automated stuff like automated car washes, vending machines, 
packing machines. I've already mentioned the automatic vacuum cleaners. They're all robots that are in our lives. But the robots that eBay are obviously talking about as well are, are these are these products that can help do do things around the home apart from just bring us a beer uh, and uh, do things like that. The Wowie MIP is a very popular product uh, coming up for this Christmas. It's got uh, wheels and two arms and sensors uh, and it can, uh, can be a real companion for a lot of people. Now, number two on the list is virtual reality. Now, in on eBay, we've seen a rise in sales. They've seen a rise in sales of 523% in the past year. Now, take a look at what's out there already. You can now buy the Samsung VR headset. There are other VR headsets coming. The Oculus Rift is another one. HTC is coming up with their own virtual reality headset as well. But the big daddy of them all, which won't make Christmas this year, unfortunately, will be the PlayStation VR. Now, this is this is the, the gaming headset that I've actually tried. It's remarkable. This is going to be a very popular choice next Christmas, I'm sure. But this Christmas, there's still enough virtual reality product, and it's, it's gaining in momentum, this, this category. Still plenty of product out there that's going to be big enough a category for Christmas to, to show up on eBay's radar anyway. The other thing are hoverboards. Now, I'm not talking the Back to the Future hoverboard that Michael J. Fox rode in Back to the Future 2. These are hoverboards, otherwise known as self-balancing scooters. I did speak about one a couple of weeks ago. There's plenty of those on the market. The one I spoke about was the Zoom R, which is being brought into Australia and adapted for Australian customers and Australian conditions. But that is also a popular. If you look on eBay, there's plenty of plenty of e, uh, hoverboards, self-balancing scooters. They're also called mini Segways. They are really, really popular. They've eclipsed, um, in terms of searches for hoverboards, there's been more than 30,000 of them just in 2015 alone. So that's going to be pretty big. Uh, the Innovation Lab also, uh, which spoke to more than 3,000 attendees, they also identified ten other, well, nine, seven other emerging technologies as well, and we're talking things like three D printers, drones, uh, other products like that, uh, GoPro cameras. Uh, other types of the the action go anywhere cameras are also going to be very popular, but it is a really interesting insight into where technology is going. And those three that I mentioned, the robots, the virtual reality, and the hoverboards, they are the ones that are really moving fastest. Uh, if you want to read more about this story, I've put a uh, report together on Tech Guide, and there's also a really interesting infographic that eBay's Innovation Labs has supplied to Tech Guide as well. That is well worth a look if you want to check it out. It's at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. Well, the smartphone battles continue and there's been an interesting development in the Australian market. We all know that Apple and Samsung dominate the market in Australia. But how about the number three spot? Not many, pe- not many people can immediately think of a company that, is, that comes in three behind these two huge companies like Apple and Samsung. Well, would it surprise you to know that actually Alcatel OneTouch, this is the, the uh, manufacturer that offers feature-packed smartphones at really affordable prices. One of them I've actually reviewed uh, on Tech Guide, the Idol 3, that's now available in the market. They have actually taken the number three spot in the Australian handset market, 
behind Samsung and Apple. Now, this is according to the latest industry data from IDC after the third quarter of the year. So the, the quarter that was July, August, and September. Alcatel OneTouch was actually third in smartphone sales by volume and second in feature phone sales. Now, feature phones are those phones that have buttons that are, that are not the total touchscreen experience smartphone. They are called feature phones and still uh, are, have a huge place in the market. So Alcatel, we're actually hoping for fourth. I remember attending a lunch recently with, uh, with Alcatel Australian Managing Director Sam Skontos at the launch of the Idol 3 and the new Quattro 4G device. And he actually mentioned in his uh, in his presentation that they were they'd be they were gunning for fourth spot and would be happy with fourth spot considering the size of the market and the competitiveness of the market. But they actually came in third, and this is on the back of handset sales. So this total handset sales in Australia. So you need to remember that not everyone buys an iPhone, not everyone buys the Galaxy S six. They're very expensive devices. Uh, this is on the back of the Pixie. Three uh, to that was that was available through Optus, the Pixie three, which is at the uh, four point Pixie three four point five, which is available for Telstra, and the new One Touch Quattro four G, which is the first device offered by Boost Mobile. So prepaid devices, and there's there's obviously a huge market for these products. Now you can just imagine for the fourth quarter, the Idol Three, which I mentioned earlier, and have reviewed on Tech Guide. I did have it a few months ahead of uh, before it came out uh, out on sale. Uh, the the Idol Three is going to be available through Dodo. Uh, there was there was uh, some work being done in the background there by Alcatel One Touch to get this device into market, uh, whether it was through a telco or some other some other place. It ended up in the hands of Dodo, and I've already reviewed this product, and I have to say it is one of the best value products I've ever used in terms of smartphones. There's so many features, and it's priced at just $379. So you can just imagine what's going to happen in Q4. Now, Alcatel OneTouch has been very busy in the marketplace, really getting their brand out there through partnerships and sponsorships in the music space and in the sporting space. Alcatel OneTouch, as a lot of people know, is the mobile partner, the official mobile partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. That's my team, the 2014 NRL Premiers. They've also been the sponsor, they still are the sponsor of the Newcastle Jets Football Club and also a sponsor of the National Basketball League, so the NBL as well. They've also partnered uh, just recently with the 18-foot Skiffs, so you're going to see that the Alcatel One Touch brand on the harbour. And they've also named Tara Coleman as an ambassador for the company. She's a champion iron woman and son of Craig Coleman, a former South Sydney great. She is also an ambassador for Alcatel One Touch. So you're going to see the Alcatel One Touch brand on the beaches this summer. Alcatel One Touch, what a fantastic job they've done in Q3. Congratulations to Sam Skontos and his team uh, for coming in third behind Apple and Samsung. That is a pretty, pretty good result. If you want to read that full story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, padlocks haven't come very far in the past 100 years. However long padlocks have been around, have they even been around 100 years? Probably longer than 100 years. 150 years, 200 years. Tweet me at, at Stephen Fennec if you do know how long padlocks have been around. 
Well, but what's happened now, there's a new product from an Australian company called Dog and Bone. Now, they've produced uh, phone covers, waterproof phone covers in the past, but the latest product that is is, is coming from from uh, Dog and Bone is the new LockSmart device. Now, this is a padlock that uses Bluetooth connectivity. So instead of using your a key or a combination, the LockSmart app, will now allow you to unlock your phone, uh, unlock the padlock using the smart, your smartphone. So rather than you having to carry around a key, remember combinations, you can now have several padlocks stored on your uh, LockSmart app. There's a separate app that's available for iPhone and Android. And it will allow you to unlock that phone, unlock the padlock, whether you are there in person or it'll allow remote access. So say, for example, you've got a gardener who's coming to your home to do some work and you want to uh, let them in rather than you have to drive all the way home, you can actually remote give them remote access or remotely unlock the padlock allow them to go in. The beauty of it being on your smartphone is the fact that you do you can log all the entries that have come in. You can manage several different lock smart padlocks as well through your through your app as well. So you can tell when it's been opened and keep a list of as I said more than one of those lock smart padlocks. Really simple idea that is going to change Obviously, it's made another product smart. We've got a smart padlock now to go with our smartphones and our smartwatches and all the things that go along with it. Uh, but it, it is really clever how it allows you to unlock it either with your Bluetooth, Bluetooth on your phone or you can set a passcode. So you type in a passcode on your device, on your phone, and it, it'll unlock the padlock as well. Or you can just use the Touch ID on, on your iPhone. So that will allow you to unlock it that way as well. Um, and as I said, you can share access to that to the lock smart padlock either in, when you're there in person or remotely. So you can instantly unlock padlocks to sheds and gates, garages, so you can let a tradie in, a gardener in, the pool cleaner in, and uh, really allows you to track all of that access as well, keeping it uh, in, in a list on the app as well. There are two LockSmart padlocks that are available now. Uh, it's actually one available now, one available in December. There's an 8mm version, which is $89.95, and a smaller 7mm version, $69.95. They're going to be available. That, that latter, the 7mm one, is going to be available in December. And you can order them from dogandbonecases.com. And if you want to read all about that, that great product, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide, this is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. The new Netgear Nighthawk X4S AC2600 Wi-Fi VDSL ADSL modem is here and it's perfect for connected Australian homes. Netgear's latest addition to the Nighthawk family is a high-performance piece of equipment and it's specially built for streaming, gaming and connected homes with lots of devices. And let's face it, every home has lots of devices. The 
Nighthawk X4S or D7800 will deliver AC Wi-Fi speeds of up to 2600 megabits per second and supports both ADSL and VDSL connections. It's the first modern router, first modem router on the market to support the latest Wave 2 technology with quad stream on both bands and multi-user MIMO capability. That's multiple in, multiple out. This means maximizing connection speeds for faster streaming, faster gaming, and less buffering. So if your household has, has loves streaming Netflix, you love online gaming, and you've got multiple devices, then you have to check out the new Nighthawk X4S Wi-Fi modem router from Netgear. Search D7800 at netgear.com. Au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Alrighty, kicking off the Tech Guide reviews this week is a wallet. A wallet, I say, but it's from a company called Nomad. Now, this is no ordinary wallet. Not only can it hold all your cards, all your credit cards, can also hold your cash, but it can also charge your iPhone on the go. How does it do this? Well, there is a built-in battery in the spine of the wallet. It's a 2400 milliamp hour battery. That's enough power on board to recharge an iPhone 6 or iPhone 6S. Now, how does it do this? The the as I said, the battery is on the spine of the wallet, so uh, in, when you hold the wallet and the the fold of the wallet uh, at the at the end of there, that holds the battery. Now it's thin, a thin battery, so it's not going to add too much bulk to the wallet anyway. From the outside, it looks like any other wallet. And there's pictures of me holding it actually on a New York subway, and you'll see that all my cards are inside, and there's even a lightning cable that un- that unfolds that folds out from a tiny little pocket that holds it in place, so that it will allow you to connect directly to your iPhone. So you don't even have to remember a cable. It's got the lightning cable built into the battery to allow you to connect it directly to your iPhone 6 or 6S Plus, whichever iPhone you happen to be using, and it can recharge your device completely. If you're using an iPhone 6 or 6S, it will recharge your device, even an older device, an iPhone 5, it will charge that completely using the battery on board. A 6S uh, Plus, a 6 Plus, it'll probably recharge it about three quarters. But still, that's enough charge to get you out of trouble, especially if you spent all day uh, out and about and with no access to a PowerPoint, the Nomad wallet can help step in. It was pretty reassuring, actually, to know that in your pocket was a new, it was a power, a reservoir of power ready to be unloaded into your phone. Uh, I've been using it and... I find it that it fit all my cash in there, of course. There's pictures of it with uh, notes in there. It's got uh, six credit cards, actually seven credit cards in there, seven cards in there. Uh, so it's like any other regular wallet, but the difference being that battery is on board as well. The thing about it, though, one thing I found that it charges the phone really well and actually pretty quickly. But one thing that I, that I didn't find on that, although I would have added to it, was some kind of button inside the wallet or on the battery itself so that you can tell. There are little four little LED indicator lights. Uh, there's no button that can illuminate those to tell you the level of charge that's on board. The only way you can tell how much charge is on board is actually when you connect the iPhone to the lightning cord or when you're charging the battery itself through the micro USB port. So when they're when it's connected, you'll see there's four lights 
and uh, they'll illuminate. If there's four lights that lit up, that means you've got full power, and if there's two, there's only half, and so on. So uh, a really easy way to monitor. Would have been nice to be able to check that as well. The other thing you've got to remember to do as well, and this might sound really funny, you've got to remember to charge the wallet because you've got to remember that you've got to charge the battery before you head out. Now, we already ha- and I already struggle with this too. I've got to remember to charge my phone. I've got to remember to charge my tablet. I've got to remember to charge my laptop. I've got to remember to charge my smartwatch. Now I've got to remember to charge my wallet as well. That's just one other thing we're not used to charging is a wallet. But in this case, it's definitely worth it because it does, can and does get you out of trouble. I've been using it on my travels. I happen to, I'm actually in New York at the moment and I've been using this as a my my wallet, my go-to wallet. It's got all my cash, all my, key, my cards inside. And at the end of the day, when I've been using my phone all day, taking photos, doing whatever I'm doing, working, it allows me then to recharge it. So say I go out at night, might go out for dinner without coming back to my hotel first. I'm not stuck with a dead phone. I can actually use the Nomad wallet to charge up my phone almost completely once again. Uh, the Nomad wallet is available from their website, so hellonomad.com. I've got a link on Tech Guide. It's US dollars 99, so 99 US bucks, plus add a bit of shipping. And if you're ever over here in the US, it's available at all Best Buy stores as well, but Australian customers can get it through the website. Just got to pay a bit of shipping. So if you never want to run out of charge, the Nomad wallet has got your back. You don't have to leave home without it. The Nomad wallet review, you can check that out at techguide.com. Next up on the show, we're going to talk the Samsung Gear S2 smartwatch. Now, this has been out a few weeks. I've been using it as my watch. Uh, I, I quite like this. This is a what I've said in my review anyway, is a, a fresh approach to the smartwatch. There are a lot of other watches that are running Android Wear that are, that are a little bit samey in terms of operation. The only real difference is their design and what they're made of and their price. But basically, you're getting the same watch just with a different, with different uh, outer covering, a different coat, if you like. But in the case of the Gear S2, I quite like it because it is different. It has its own Tizen operating system, similar to the system they've got on board their smart TVs. And it's got a great way to navigate the device as well. There's a, there's a bezel around the screen, and you rotate that bezel to navigate through the apps. So the apps are presented in like a, a circular form around the circular screen. Again, another differentiator is this beautiful, bright, circular screen. And it allows you to, to navigate without actually covering up the screen you're looking at. Apple have got a similar thing in place with their digital crown. So rather than you swiping up the screen and covering what you're looking at, the digital crown allows you to navigate and zoom in on things. And this, uh, the bezel on the Gear S2 allows you to do the same thing. The Gear S2s, they've got a circular AMOLED screen. It's a beauty. The, The screen looks terrific. Now, because it's got its own operating system, it can you it, it can pair with every Android phone. So Android's covered. It doesn't have to be a Samsung phone. As long as you download the Gear smartwatch, uh, the smartphone app, you can run it off any Android device. But the downside of having your own operating system is not many developers are writing for that system. Now, Apple Watch is backed by WatchOS. They've got a huge advantage with the number of apps being written just for Apple Watch. Android Wear, which is now compatible with, with iPhone, by the way, that, has, that also has a few apps as well. Nothing near what Apple Watch has, but it's growing. 
Now, throw in another another operating system in this space, the Tizen operating system, and again, you need developers to think, well, am I going to write for this platform? How many people are going to have this device? What am I going to do? Well, there are some coming, and Samsung have got plenty of their own. There, there is some pretty big support, actually, like CNN has, a, has an app for it, Bloomberg, a lot of news sites, uh, as well as some other training apps like Nike Plus, things like that. But your basics like Facebook and Twitter, they haven't written apps for that. And for the record, Facebook hasn't written an Apple Watch app either, we should point out. But if Twitter isn't going to support you, that's a sign that, you know, is this is this top of mind for them to do it? So there's there's not a lot of third party apps that you can uh, that you can load on the Gear S2. Now it's a really thin and light watch. It's really comfortable to wear. Uh, very simple interface. I find found it a real a real breeze to use. I really enjoyed using it. But I think Samsung made a massive blunder with this device. They didn't make it compatible with the iPhone. They've cut out, right there, they've cut out a huge chunk of the market. We're talking about a third of the market that uses iPhone can now not use the Gear S2. And I would tell you now, there would be plenty of iPhone users that would have bought the Gear S2 had it have been compatible with the iPhone. I think Samsung really made an error there. You never know. They might update this thing. They might do a firmware update and allow the iPhone to be compatible. Android Wear started out as being Android only, and it is now iPhone compatible as well. I've used plenty of Android Wear devices paired with my iPhone as well. So, so I think uh, they've missed an opportunity there. As usual, you can change the, plenty of watch faces to choose from. Uh, really, uh, it's, I quite enjoyed having to just changing my watch face every day, just something new to look at every day. And uh, there are more coming. There's, I think, 13 off the bat, but uh, plenty more you can download as well. Now, on the activity side, here's one thing I found that the Gear S2 did a great job with, and that was tracking your steps, tracking your activities, feeding them back to your phone. Uh, so rather than you, rather than if anyone's thinking about buying, should I buy an activity band, and you're thinking about a smartwatch, well, the Gear S2 is both. It is a, a, pretty, a very respectable activity tracker, as well as being quite a good smartwatch. There's also Nike Plus on board, the running app as well, plenty of of other training apps there as well too there's also a heart rate monitor that can uh, monitor your heart rate whether you're at rest or whether you're in the middle of a workout which i found quite good plenty of news apps as well i uh it doesn't give you the whole story on there but it gives you uh, a couple of paragraphs if you want to read your news headlines there's other third-party apps as well from espn so if you want to get your sports scores uh and but as i said twitter ain't there and neither's facebook so uh, they may come along, they may not. Now, another cool feature of the Gear S2 is that it uses both Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Now, Bluetooth when it's within range of your phone. But say, for example, you're sitting at home, you've left your phone in another room, and you walk out of range of your phone, the Gear S2 can actually hook into your home's Wi-Fi to still download updates and download uh, other, other notifications even though you're outside the range of your smartphone. I think that's really clever. So you can still get most of your messages and information even if you're not within range of your smartphone. Now, on the battery side, Gear S2 did pretty well, I think. Uh, in my testing, I got a couple of days charge out of it. So on a full charge, two days after, say so if I put it on at 8 o'clock on a Monday, uh, fully charged, I wouldn't have to charge it till nighttime on the Tuesday. So it's two full work days getting me uh, through with the full charge. The Gear S2 uh, is an impressive device. It, it's, I, I do like it. Starts at about 499 
and is available now. And as I said, is only compatible with Android devices, not uh, compatible with iPhone. If you want to read my complete review, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. Next up on the show, we're going to talk Apple wireless accessories. Now, just recently, they released the Apple, the uh, Magic Mouse 2, the Magic Trackpad 2, and the Magic Keyboard. Now, they're all magic, according to their names, and they're the, they're the first update that Apple have given these products for some time. I think it's been a few years since these products were initially introduced, but uh, the next version of the new versions of these products are certainly a massive improvement. For one, they're no longer powered by AA batteries. That added a little bit of bulk to some of the products, especially the keyboard and the trackpad, not so much with the mouse, but what it did with the mouse was created uh, a bit of an issue if you were low on batteries and you had to either buy batteries or recharge batteries. There were some battery packs that you can actually use, rechargeable battery packs from uh, Moshi. I think I I was using them for some time. But now they all have lightning connections and also internal lithium-ion rechargeable batteries. So no more fumbling around for the batteries. What that's done also is reduce the size of them, especially, as I said, the keyboard and the trackpad. They're a lot sleeker, a lot thinner, and a a lot lighter. So you can uh, no longer, no need to uh, hunt around for AA batteries. Uh, Let's start with the Magic Mouse 2. It's priced at $129. And it looks almost the same as the original Magic Mouse, but now under the the hood, plenty of changes. It's lighter and and smoother to give you a a better better tracking experience on your, whether it's on your iMac or your MacBook Pro, if you want to pair it to your laptop. And there is no longer a battery hatch on the bottom. As I said, it's charged with a lightning port. But guess where the lightning port is on the Magic Mouse 2? It's on the bottom. So if you do run out of battery and you need to charge the mouse, you can't use it. That's the only downside of this product. If that had been on the side or at the front, you could connect the lightning cable. Lightning cable, by the way, once you connect it from the device to your computer, to the Mac, that's auto- and that automatically pairs the products as well. So that's one less fiddly thing you need to do. But in the case of the mouse, you need to charge it uh, with the lightning port on the bottom, so that means you can't use it. So the best thing to do would be charge it overnight. Uh, all these products take about a couple of hours to fully charge. Moving on to the Magic Trackpad 2, it's $199. It's also 29% larger. It's nearly 30% larger than the original trackpad, which had more of a square shape. The Magic Trackpad 2 is a little bit more rectangular and introduces Force Touch, a new feature. So it brings Force Touch for the first time to the Mac. Uh, there are four sensors underneath, so it can, it, with the force touch, can detect the pressure you apply and give you feedback and also unlock different commands and, and results. So depending on how hard you press, uh, for example, you might want to find the meaning of a word. So you highlight the word, press down, and the dictionary pops up. Uh, you can scrub through videos faster. And, of course, it uh, recognizes plenty of gesture controls as well. And the back panel has uh, the lightning port connector, so you can recharge that trackpad really easily. Moving on to the Magic Keyboard. This is $165, and it is really sleek. Well, taking out the AA batteries for a start, that really helped this product lose a lot of weight. With the old one, the barrel where the batteries were acted as a uh, a hinge, not a hinge, a a stand for the keyboard to be angled down for the user. 
now without the AA batteries, there is still an angle. It's been really nicely put together there. Not as steep as the old keyboard, but the keys themselves have been re-engineered. They've got 33% more stability, so that scissor mechanism has been redesigned. Really, uh, they've got a lower height as well, so when you move across the keys typing, you're not going to accidentally strike the wrong key. It does make typing really easy, and once again, the lightning port is on the back. Very easy to charge it up as well. Uh, these products are available now. My only criticism is they're, they're a tad expensive. They're, they're not cheap, like 129 bucks for the for the Magic Mouse. I think the old one was about 80 from memory. I could be wrong, but these have taken a bit of a leap in price. I think that the Australian dollar is uh, in a slightly different position, actually, a very different position from when these were released a few years ago. But I think for your money, though, you can, get, or you can rest assured you're getting a quality product that's going to last you for years. So that's, you, you do get what you pay for and in the end here you are getting three very nice products you want to see the review of those devices you can check it out at techguide.com.au The Tech Guide podcast is also sponsored by Norton the company to help keep you and your family safe online and today we live in a world of where cyber criminals are working overtime, trying to find new ways to steal your personal information and compromise your device. Well, the team at Norton is dedicated to keeping people safe online, no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying your bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton's latest internet security solution, Norton Security Premium, is working behind the scenes to keep your information, your identity and your devices protected. It also comes with secure PC cloud backup so you can back up and save your personal files photos videos and other memory that live on your devices for more information about norton security premium and how to protect your online life check out au.norton.com now answering all your tech questions the tech guide help desk I got a really interesting question from a reader on uh, who sent me uh, an email at the address info at techguide.com.au. So if you have your own question, feel free to send it in. And the question was an interesting one. It was asking about how what is a uh, responsible uh, and proper way to dispose of a computer? Now, it's interesting because a few things come to mind here, whether it's the not, not wanting the – well, you'd assume someone wipes their computer, uh, their hard drive clean, and there's one worry that someone can still get at your data that you've, that you've erased from your computer anyway. I've heard of people actually dismantling their computers and drilling a hole – uh, with your normal electric drill through the hard drive so it would be impossible to recover so no one could ever get that information off the device now th- that that's one that's one level of thinking the other thing is how do i m- assure be be guaranteed that this is not going to end up in a landfill so if you just toss a computer in the bin chances are it's going to go with the rest of the garbage in a landfill and there are some dangerous materials in computers. Some computers may have still mercury and other, other dangerous uh, things on board. And one thing that people can do, a lot of people aren't aware, that there is actually a national computer recycling scheme set up through Planet Ark. 
Now, what happens, this scheme is designed so that all these old computers, uh, they, they avoid being sent to landfill. So by giving up your computer, this old, your old outdated computers, of course, uh, you, you, know, you can always hand them down to other members of the family if there's still some life in them, they're still fast enough to operate in today's conditions. But what, the, what handing them over to these computer recycling schemes does is it guarantees the computer is going to be stripped down the parts that can be recycled will be recycled. So things are melted down and they, they absolutely wipe everything on every computer. So you can be guaranteed that if it goes to Planet Ark or any of these other computer recycling centers, no one's going to be trying to get at your data. It's going to be melted down. It's going to be recycled and it's going to be disposed of responsibly. So something to keep in mind. So don't just chuck them in the bin. Make sure you check out your local area. There are plenty of schemes available around the country. So check it out online. Go to the Planet Ark website recyclingnearyou.com.au is the website so that is a great way to dispose of an old computer responsibly we don't want them ending up in landfill you're listening to tech guide And that is our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, as I said before, please drop us an email, info at techguide.com.au. Or if you want to give me a say day on Twitter, I'm at Stephen Fennec, and that's Stephen spelled with a P-H. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, and uh, we want to give a special thanks too to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been great, as always, having you with us. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.